Okay, so here's, here's my, my confession, and I've already confessed it. I'm not that really into uh, Christmas that much. And so, uh, you know, I tried to time my, my sermon series. My plan, I mentioned this last week, um, my plan uh, for the next long while will be to preach through the book of Luke. Hey, Justin, this sounds really loud to me. I don't know if it's loud to everyone else. Uh, got it? Sweet. Was that loud for anyone else or just me? It was good? Does it need to go back up? Okay. Okay. Sorry. All right. Uh, my plan is to teach through the book of Luke. Um, and I tried to time starting the book of Luke with Christmas time so that I don't have to go out of my way to teach Christmas stories. Um, and so as we're going into the Christmas story, um, the book of Luke opens up with the, the, the story of the birth of John. Now, it's interesting because in the first century, we have John being a very common name. It's still a very common name today, though I don't know, I don't, I don't think we have any Johns in here today. Interesting. Usually there's a John around somewhere. Um, uh, my son is John, right? I called him Jonathan, right? Jack-Jack. Uh, Jack is the nickname of John, right? Because there's a billion of them everywhere. Anyway, um, so uh, John the Baptist. We're talking about the birth of John the Baptist, okay? We're talking about the proclamation, the promise that John the Baptist will be born. He's going to be born to these two people that we looked at today. And there, there's a part of me that was just like, okay, it's the Christmas story. I've probably looked at this part. I've probably talked about this part a million times, right? That might be an exaggeration. It might not be. You know, it's debatable. But, you know, with, within this story, it was, I'll be honest, like part of my preparation was like, okay, here's the, here's the things I'm going to talk about. It's, this, it's almost like a checklist of what we talk about every time, right? A am I alone in that? Like everyone, it's the same thing every year, isn't it? No? You guys like Christmas way more than me, apparently. You guys get excited to hear the same story over and over again. Um, I, I like reading new things. Um, something, something kind of boggled my mind as I was preparing for this. Because there, there's a few things that I want us to look at before we jump into the notes that I handed out for you guys. If you look, first of all, um, let's look at verse number... Eight, so it was while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And it says, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And so the timing of this is very interesting because uh, Zechariah, Zacharias, I, uh, you know, different translations, it's from Greek, who has different endings for every, you know, word they have. So, uh, Zechariah, I might say Zechariah, I might say Zacharias, but um, I probably am just going to call him Zach a bunch too. So, so Zach goes in, uh, he, he's a priest, he goes into the temple to, to, to do his job, and what his job is, is to burn the incense. And, and uh, specifically right now, they have this time set aside for burning the incense. Now, if I, we could do an exhaustive Bible study on, on what burning incense is, but I'll just boil it down for you. It, it's meant to picture our prayers going up to God, the prayers of God's people 
is a sweet aroma. It's an incense to our God. And so the, the point of having incense in the temple, I mean, maybe there's this, like, we'll get a little gory. We sent the little kids out, right? Like, there's this aspect of the fact that they're killing a bunch of animals and, like, you know, it probably stinks. And so, like, there's maybe a practical purpose to burning some incense, right? Like, I'm pretty sure we in our house don't have all those candles because, like, we want all those can- or you do want all those candles, don't you? And it really doesn't make your house smell that good except for while it's burning. Otherwise, it just sits there and it's wasting space, right? But, you know, like, to burn incense, like, there's this tradition for why they're burning the incense. There's this, actually, in the law, it's laid out how they do it and when they do it. And and, and so there's this purpose for why they, in worship to their God, are burning this incense. And the picture of this is it's a time of prayer. That we, with our offerings, with our sacrifices, with everything that we're bringing to God, that we are now petitioning our God. That we are praying to Him. That we are coming, bowing before Him before we ever go to the throne room of grace. Or, 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 sorry, to the Bema seat. Or not, oh my goodness, I'm confusing all the seats. Before we go into the Holy of Holies, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. Like There's this incense that is offered up because we are praying, we are petitioning our God. And so, really, like, there's this aspect of, of there's this tradition in the first century. There's this tradition for the Jewish people for how they should pray. And Zechariah goes in to lead in prayer, to perform the, the ceremony, the ritual of burning the incense, of, of picturing our prayers to God. And now everyone, there's a whole multitude outside in this hour of prayer. Another thing. Angel shows up, verse number 13. He says, do not be afraid, Zach, for your prayer is heard. Here's the context. When I said when I was studying this, something kind of like changed my mind about what I wanted to talk about. And the whole context of this passage is about prayer. Zach has been praying for a child. Zach and his wife, Elizabeth, we could call her Liz. I I don't know. These these guys, you know, it says they're old. I don't want to get, you know, I don't know how old. But it says they're old and and Elizabeth is barren. and, And it's been their prayer. I'm sure if you've met anyone who wants to have kids and has been married for a long time and wants to have kids, I'm sure this has been a prayer of theirs for a long time. Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying, and the whole multitude is praying, and Zechariah is leading the ceremony of prayer. And yet when God answers his prayer, it's like this big surprise. You guys ever been like praying and then like been surprised that God actually answered your prayer? How many of you actually like pray about things that you don't ever actually expect God to do anything about it? Yeah. Like yeah, I'll put it down on the list and I'll I'll do I'll you know, I told you I'd pray. I'm just going to do it once, you know, but like I'll do it, you know. Don't expect anything from it. Forget the fact that God said that him who prays pray without wavering. 
see, I think there's this danger for, for the nation of Israel and for Zechariah, who's even leading the people in this ceremony of prayer, for it to just be a ceremony, for it just to be tradition. It's just what we do. We just go to church. We don't expect to meet with God. It's just what we do. We go to the temple. We burn the incense. We show up at the hour of prayer. But it's more like we're talking at God. We're not expecting God to do anything. This whole passage is about prayer. So we've read the passage. I think you guys know what's going on. That, that the angel shows up and he tells Zachariah that he's going to have a kid. And he's going to name his name John. And then John is going to actually, we know from the rest of the story, become John the Baptist, who is kind of a crazy character, a cousin of Jesus, and like it's just really cool stuff that happens. But as, I, as we look at this, I want to consider a handful of things about what our lives would look like if we actually had a dependence on God through prayer. Maybe if the way that we prayed was not depending on our own selves. See, Zach and Elizabeth, they couldn't have children. There's nothing they could do about it. And they were praying to God for a child because they couldn't do anything about it. And when we come to our own wits end and to the end of our own strength, and we begin to recognize that we have to depend on God. Believe it or not, it's a lot more than we think, too. Most of our life, we, we keep pretending like we can do something about it, but sometimes it feels like we're just a spectator in our story. We have so little power. And we need to come to God in dependence on Him, on the power of God through prayer. And as we do this, there's a few things that I want us to see. Firstly, I want us to see that dependence on God through prayer can take time. It can take time. We could read the verse again, verse number 7. It says they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. Well advanced in years. I feel like I'm getting there. Oh my goodness, everything pops and creaks when I move. Like it's well advanced in years. Me and my wife have been, uh, you know, I, I want to count it a blessing I don't want to take it for granted. Uh, me and my wife, you know, within a year of being married, had our first child. You know, it, it's we, we've got four of them. They're healthy. They run around. Like, it's great. It's wonderful. But I, I know people that have been praying for a child. I know people that have tried, and man, they've tried everything. They've tried the doctors. They've tried the treatments. They've tried, they've tried praying tried and it can take time have you guys ever prayed for something and gave up You're praying for a long time and nothing seems to happen I want to encourage you God hears your prayers God hears you but sometimes it takes time one of the most famous passages for me as I think about this is the beginning of Exodus. The children of Israel were in, in, in bondage, in, in slavery for like 400 years. And when God 
when, when God calls Moses, he says, I heard the cries of my people. God hears us, and God is working. He's active. Whether or not we're always seeing the, the results we want, God is working. God hears us, and he's working. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. You know, James tells us that it's the, it's the prayer of a righteous man that can do much, but like a lot of the book of James has to tell us about is patience. 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 When we're depending on God through prayer, sometimes it's going to be for quite a while. Sometimes it can take time. Secondly, dependence on God through prayer, sometimes it can be surprising. Like, I have a vivid imagination sometimes. Read with me, verse number 10. And the whole of the multitude was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zach saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. <laughs> this story is going to get repeated in the next few chapters. You'll probably hear me talk about what this looks like a few times. But, like, can you, like, let's just imagine, like, what's, what's, like, someone call out some mundane task you do on a weekly basis or a daily basis even. What's, what's a mundane task? Di oh. Okay, fine. Dishes. Okay. Let's imagine this. We live in the 21st century. We've got distractions all over the place, okay? Like, raise your hand if you have a TV. You can see why you do dishes, right? Okay, only a couple that were lifting their hands. But how many of you turn on music while you're doing dishes? Yeah. How many of you, um, whenever I do dishes, my wife goes, cleans everything else, so I don't, <laughs> you know, keeps me in check, you know. But, you know, like, how, how many of you, like, when you're doing dishes, it, it, like, it's just, like, the worst. You're just like, okay, fine, here I am, washing dishes, and, like, you're, you're rinsing it, you're putting it over here. You'd rather be a billion other places than where you are, but this is what you do. This is how you survive. I mean, no one wants to eat off dirty dishes, so you're cleaning it. Oh, you've totally missed that because you were daydreaming. You put that back, right? And then, bam! There's a guy standing right next to you who's glowing, and he's like, I don't know. It says he kind of looks like a man. Angels are kind of weird. There's some angels with, like, four heads, like a lion head, an eagle head. Like, I mean, I don't exactly know what this guy looks like, but there's this, like, shining angel dude. Here's, here's one thing that all of these accounts we're going to look at in the first part of Luke. All of them are afraid of this man, okay, this angel, whatever he is. So I don't think he looks like just a regular guy. Like, he doesn't look like me, okay? Like, he looks like... I don't know what that is. And you're just sitting here doing your mundane, oh, right? Like, what's going on? And so, like, the, the normal inclination is, like, fear. Like, this is out of the ordinary. I've never experienced this before. Like, I've been doing the same thing over and over again. I've washed the dishes a thousand times. How many times had, had Zach burned the incense and nothing happened? And now today there's an angel. And I don't know what's going on. And it's, it's, it's different. It's scary. And it doesn't matter what we've been praying about 
when we experience the greatness and the glory of our God, we will be humbled. And maybe the right answer isn't for us to be afraid. We've been praying for this. But the answer should always be a humility. A recognition that God is doing something. And whatever has been the focus of my heart maybe needs to change to whatever he's doing. And it is a beautiful and a wonderful thing when we depend on God through prayer and then he does something. It can change our perspective. It can change our heart. It can change our life. Zach's life would never, ever be the same. Because as he was leading a nation in prayer, God spoke. God sent an angel to speak. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot that can happen when we pray. But sometimes because we're so used to the first answer that it takes time, and maybe because this crazy experience hasn't ever happened to us, it seems like. Maybe we just keep praying and we're not expecting God to do anything. Let me tell you, that's a hard place to be. But I want to tell you, it's probably a place where many of us have been and are. God is actively working. And the way he interacts with us, it's not the same all the time. For Zach in this one moment was to see this angel. And I'm not saying you'll see an angel. I'm not saying you won't see an angel. But my prayer is that we would open our eyes, that God would open our eyes to how he's working in our lives. Because even though it takes time, I'm convinced God is working. It's not always the way we want. It's not always the way we're expecting. But if we'd open our eyes and behold the glory of our God and what he is doing, we'd begin to respond in humility and begin to seek his glory. Dependence on God through prayer can take time. It can be surprising. But listen, it can bring joy and gladness. I think one of the funniest things, like, Zach is burning his incense, and then there's an angel, and he's afraid. And the, the angel's just like, don't be afraid. Can you imagine being the angel? Number one, I can't. But just can you imagine being an angel, and every time you see a human, they're just like cowering in fear? Oh, man, I just wanted a hug, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, that's my imagination. That's not scripture, okay? But, like, like, like that's the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. Look at this, verse number 13. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness. You know, it's hard for me because, like, I know the whole story of this, right? Like, I don't know the whole story, but... That sounded a little more pompous than I meant. I know the end of the story. 
I know the life that John the Baptist is going to live. I know he's a brash and he's, he's a prophet and, and he's this great man. He's a manly man. And he calls, calls out governors and literally gets his head chopped off for it. And so it's hard sometimes for me to not like tell you that there's hardship even when God answers prayer. promises joy and gladness with a head chopped off at the end. So I want us to know, first of all, there's joy and gladness in, in living with our God. Like the only way we can experience true peace is not from the betterment of all of our circumstances, but from the presence of our God walking with us and never leaving us or forsaking us. That's how we find peace. That's how we find joy. And listen, the angel doesn't give us room to say, well, it doesn't say we're not going to be happy. What is gladness, okay? <laughs> There's going to be moments of happiness. There's going to be the emotions when we are following our God, depending on him through prayer, that he's going to provide for us in ways that bring us inner peace and joy and fulfillment and happiness. There is joy and happiness in following our God. Let's finish this, the, 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 the verse, though. Verse number, um, verse number 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Notice this. Dependence on God through prayer can bring joy and and gladness, not just for you. It's not just about you. Hey, when, when, when we walk with our God, like we will experience that joy and we can have happiness. There will be hardships. But what I want us to recognize is that God has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose than just you. Like God loves you. Jesus literally sent his son to earth to die on the cross for you and you. And like God loves you specifically. But he also loves you. And God is willing to work not just in your life, but in your life as well. And sometimes, especially most of the time, God wants to use his people to bring joy and gladness to all people. Listen, there's, there's this crazy thing that's happening here where, where Zechariah and Elizabeth are praying to God about their problem, and God is bringing a prophet for the problem of all of mankind. Zechariah and Elizabeth are praying about the hurt and the pain and the loneliness that they've experienced their whole life. And God is providing a prophet who will prepare the way for the one who will heal all hurt and pain and brokenness in all people for all time. Man, there's this, there's this thing where we can pray for what we need and God is doing something so much bigger than anything we can imagine. 
I mean, if we, if we were to read again, as, as Steve has already read, the things that the angel tells Zechariah that his son is going to do, can you, can you imagine Zechariah for, for decades has been praying for his wife and him to have a child. And they just want a baby to hold and care for and nurture. And maybe someone to take care of them when they get old, which is coming sooner and sooner in these well-advanced years. And instead what he hears the angel saying is, God has answered your prayer. And the one that he promised like 400 years ago in the book of Malachi to prepare a way for his anointed Messiah that's your son. That's the answer to your prayer. Not just the little child that you get to hold and protect and be your own. But the one that God is using to prepare the way for salvation for all people for all time. Listen. Sometimes. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want. Because we're just thinking right here. Is working for our every moment, for the joy and gladness, for the for the love of the world. Maybe maybe the scope of our prayers should change a little bit. Maybe our prayers are a little selfish. Maybe I maybe no no maybe about it. I'm praying that God would open our eyes change our hearts for what we pray about. Not that we stop praying to have a kid. That's a good thing. But we begin to see how the things that we're praying for fit inside God's kingdom. What is the work that God is doing? And how do we get to be a part of that? Dependence on God through prayer it takes time. It, it can be surprising. It can bring joy and gladness. And the truth is, is it can be hard to understand. It can be hard to understand and sometimes even to believe. Verse number 18, and, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. You know, he's been married for a while. He's politically correct in how he says that. Let me read the end of the angel's response, too. He says, Behold, you will be mute and will not speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. We've heard, I've heard this story many times. I'm sure many of you have heard the story many times. And we know what happens. And next week, I'll talk about it some more because we're going to hear a very similar story that happens to Mary. And she asks a very similar question, and she gets a very different response. So on one hand, like, we can talk through all the things that God sees our heart, and he knows what we're actually thinking. But, like, here's the context of how this changed for me this week. I don't know if Mary was praying to have a child. I think maybe she had a hope of that someday. Zach has been praying for decades to have a child. And now when an angel from God tells him he's going to have a child, nah. I 
That's not the way I wanted it. I wanted a child a decade ago. You know, when my wife could actually, like, take care of him, and I never had to change the diaper. Well, God, that's not the way I wanted it to happen. Like, thank you for giving it to me. I'm supposed to be thankful, you know, but, like, did it have to be this way? Wait, <laughs> you mean my wife is going to have a kid? You know, that time's kind of passed, right? Like, I know there's Bible stories, you know, like Hannah, you gave her a kid when she was barren. You gave, you gave uh, Abraham's wife a kid when she was super old, like 100 years old, you know? Like, but I don't know if you can do it with this one. Sometimes God begins to answer our, prayer, answer our prayers, sometimes even by telling us no. And we just don't want to believe. And since we still can't understand how it all works, we still question. Uh, I don't know. That's not dependence on God. That's dependence on you understanding. God is not dependent on you understanding. God is not dependent on what you can do. God is the one who created the womb. God is the one who defeated the tomb. God is the one who gave life. He spoke it into existence. Who are we to understand? No, we, we need to come in a posture of humility. We need to come into a posture, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that God is not afraid of our questions. But he has a lot to say about our unbelief. And we can come to God with our questions. And we can come to him in prayer, depending on him alone to give the answer. But it takes faith. It takes trusting in our God. Because it is he alone who can accomplish the impossible. Dependence on, on God through prayer can accomplish the impossible. But it's not us doing the impossible. It's God doing the impossible. It is, it's only by him. You know, there's a part of this story that I think generally is shown as like a bad consequence of unbelief. And, and I don't disagree with that. Like that's what the angel said it was. But I want, I want us to recognize like even the fact that Zacharias can no longer speak until his child is born is grace from God. It's God actively showing Zach that I've got the power to do whatever I want. And sometimes we need to recognize when God tells us no or when God punishes or disciplines us or when we face the hardships that we face, 
we can recognize that God is still in control, that God is still guiding, that God is still working, and it can become a comfort. Because what Jesus tells us is those that follow him will face persecution. So if we're not facing persecution, where's the dependence on God? Zach, not being able to speak the moment the angel said this, I think is meant Number one, show like the consequences of unbelief. But number two, become this constant reminder to Zechariah. God can do the impossible. God can do the impossible. Completely off my notes at this moment, but listen to me. Imagine, imagine the strength and the power of being able to raise John the Baptist, telling him, you know, for about 10 months, I couldn't speak because I doubted God and what he could do. So John, when you face a governor and he tells you what to do, trust that God can do the impossible. How would your parenting change if you began to actually teach your kids that God can do the impossible? Not just from words on a paper, but from the experience of your life. From you knowing the power of God working in your life. My prayer for us today, my prayer for each of us, I'm I'm included in this. I I pray that God would open our eyes and show us how he's working that he would align our hearts with the passion that he has for our community and for our world, and that we would not be so self-centered, that we would begin to find our place in the work that God is doing. We would have that joy and gladness. Just some encouragement for you about prayer. First of all, pray. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. What what have you been praying for for years that you've completely forgotten about today? Don't give up. Keep praying. Pray. Look for ways that God may be answering that you just may not be expecting. Ask God for how you can be a part of his bigger plan. And trust that God can do the impossible. Lord, we come to you today, and the prayer is, has already been stated, but I want to reiterate it. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Lord, I know in this room there's, there's hurt and there's pain and there's, there's loved ones in need. Lord, we pray for Gary. We pray for you to do the impossible. pray for family members. We pray for our church. We pray for the future that seems uncertain. Lord, we know that the kings and kingdoms are placed by your hand. And Lord, we want to trust you. And so Lord, open our eyes. Show us how you're working. Show us how you're guiding. Show us how we can be a part of your work. Show us how we can love like you loved. Show us how we can help grow your kingdom. Show us how we can be the hands and feet of you working in the world today. 
Lord, I pray for this season as the hustle and bustle of everything gets going and it's hard sometimes to, to find a breath. I pray that you would constantly be speaking to us, that you would draw us close to you, that you would remind us through conviction and, and guilt and, and whatever is necessary of our need for you, that we would be dependent to, on you through prayer. I pray this in your name. Amen.